0: This is director Bradley Walsh, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. This is Gray, and I'm here with Bradley Walsh, director extraordinaire. How are you doing, Bradley? Good, thanks. And you directed, actually, this week's Beauty and the Beast episode. That's right. And we are definitely going to talk about that. But first, actually, let me explain sort of what we're going to do. Since you're the very first director that's been on the podcast, um, what we want to do is find out a little bit about you first, how you got into directing specifically in television. Then um, we're going to go talk about, as a director in television... Um, what you'd like to see in a script and, and how you interpret what you see. And then we'll talk about Beauty and the Beast. So we'll do it in three parts like that.
1: Sure. Okay, great.
0: So we actually went to school together yep. at York University. But tell me from York, like, did, did you know at that point that you wanted to do television? I know you were you were directing already at yep. that point. Yeah. But t- maybe bring me up to speed how you got from there to here.
1: Well, I definitely knew that I wanted to work in long format storytelling wasn't sure exactly how I was going to get there. Everybody has the dream you're going to walk, work in, uh, in television at some point or a feature film or be able to somehow muster a career out of film school immediately into the professional world but for me my transition came through music and uh, through the good fortune of knowing a, a bunch of bands and musicians and transitioned out of film school into directing music videos always knowing the whole time that I wanted to somehow engage with a long format in some way or another and actually one of my earlier music videos was a short film that uh, helped launch my uh, narrative storytelling career because I was kind of misbehaving a little bit and uh, using the music video format in order to exercise my storytelling ambitions. And actually, throughout my entire music video career, I was kind of known for being uh, a storyteller as opposed to someone who was just a visual explorer. I was always trying to thread some kind of narrative into my music video work. Whether it be subtle or not, um, sometimes the extreme and, uh, almost always successful. It seemed that that was something that people were really enjoying and the record companies were embracing. And that actually helped me move into another genre afterwards, but always keeping my eye on the prize, which was to have a career, more screen time. I just want more screen time. I just mm-hmm. want to have the ability to, to flex my muscles as a storyteller, both working with talent and, and camera and editorially being able to, uh, Know, command a story, but music videos brought me into commercials, and commercials ultimately gave me an opportunity to. Uh, I guess I had a, a career that was successful enough that I allowed myself to take a break from commercials, in order to uh, craft a short film that changed my career basically overnight. Um, By using that that opportunity to do this nine minute film, uh, which was ex- essentially a project came from a client uh, that uh, allowed me to uh, uh, write and direct a film that then was distributed amongst the uh, the community in Los Angeles and here in Toronto that got me some attention. Mm-hmm. A short film that was nine minutes long, that changed everything, as I was saying. Um, because they uh, saw there was somebody who has ambitions outside of music videos, outside of commercials, somebody who has actually a, an ability to craft a story, a tight little story in nine minutes. I'm, I'm a living example of how a short film can change your career and get it in the hands of the right people who then said, OK, well, let's give this guy a shot at doing something different.
0: So when, when you did do that short film... Was that something that was designed right from the start to get you into... Oh, yeah. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: It was like, oh, here's an opportunity. Somebody came to me and said, well, uh, we'd like you to uh, take this brand and uh, write a story around the brand and uh, feature our product in your story, whatever way you want. There's no uh, restrictions at all. Take whatever creative license you want. And uh, I just saw it as an amazing opportunity to, to write a great short film. Wow. And, and incorporate the the, uh, the product in it seamlessly in a way that was uh, was both uh, respectful of the of the opportunity that was given to me, but in a way that it, you it wasn't so heavy handed that you weren't uh, encumbered by the fact there's a product that's you know throughout this this the story. So mm-hmm. it was it was easy in that it was, uh, it was something that we work with every day, or uh, it's it's part of people's lives today, a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So it made it very easy to uh, incorporate that into a, a narrative, and it was a lot of fun and. Uh, That got in the hands of some people in Los Angeles, and uh, through that uh, came some opportunities to sit down in front of people and uh, share the work and talk about things that I wanted to do moving forward, Mm. which included television, and uh, not so long after that relationship started with uh, the people who I'm working with now in the U.S., uh, I had an opportunity to direct a a television pilot, and uh, that set me on to uh, my career in uh, working in TV.
0: Great. And so would you say that you were focused exclusively on episodic TV or, or are you still interested in directing features? Are you interested in directing, say, things like movies of the week as well?
1: I'm open to any opportunity. And for me, it's all about the, it's all about the paper. It's all about the material, whether it's a, an exciting episode of television or a great television movie or a feature script that I'm either uh, been presented or I'm, I'm developing. I'm 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 always pursuing a great story and, and great opportunities. So I, I'm 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 open, but I I see every opportunity as a as an exercise for you to flex your storytelling uh, abilities and uh, practice your craft. So uh, I don't want to say I'm just exclusively TV or just exclusively television. I actually think that's the reality of a, a lot of uh, directors and and creative people have to. Kind of embrace is that you, you gotta look for any opportunities where, where they come. And if you, if you completely, I think, pigeonhole yourself, then you're gonna find yourself pigeonholed. And mm-hmm. I'd rather not do that and uh, leave myself open to uh, possibilities. Cause that's how I, I achieved success in being able to meander from music videos to commercials and television series was being open to those possibilities. I might still be directing television commercials exclusively if I wasn't open and saw, uh, some a way to change my career or, or take a chance or a risk, which is what, what, what that short film was essentially.
0: Yeah. Well, I see. I see uh, a lot of people I talk to talk about how much more entrepreneurial we have to be in oh, yeah. this business. I would definitely agree with that. And be open to possibilities. And, and actually, I love it when yeah. when you see, say, for instance, what you might call a list talent doing webisodes. Right. right. You can tell that everybody is open to this this
1: idea. Well, there's certainly a lot of people who've achieved, uh, you know, what would be considered mainstream success who've come from various genres. Whether it's, the, you know, it's Spike Jones, or you know, who's worked from music videos into television commercials, has done feature films. You know, there's, uh, there's lots of examples of directors who worked in various mediums before they entered into TV or feature film, and, and it's just because you have to be flexible and and, and ready to take on a, uh, a challenge when it presents itself. Otherwise, you'll, you you might not be working as much. Mm-hmm. I'd actually prefer to be constantly being creative, as opposed to being, you know, starboard and saying, "I'm just going to do just this." Yeah, I'd rather not be that way.
0: Well, let's let's move on to um, to episodic TV now yep. that you're now that you're in Beauty and the Beast and other shows yep. like that. Um, when you look at the script, it's different than a music video or a commercial, but you're still working for a client, and so there's always yeah. been that kind of relationship. But tell me what's different when you're in episodic TV.
1: It's funny, because making the transition into, uh, into television, some of the uh, language has changed in terms of what, what meetings are called or the different levels of, uh, of, of approvals that you have to go through. But it's always the same process. I mean, it's all about uh, making very clear communication and, and understanding the, uh, the heart of a script. Now, music video—we're we're creating those scripts ourselves. Commercials—we're inheriting them. Television—we're inheriting a script, uh, or hopefully you're able to help shape that. And features, same thing. But uh, it always comes down to the paper, and uh, there is a difference, certainly in terms of like what the format is. But there's things that cross over. Like you know, you want to be able to communicate with all your keys. You want to be able to have an open dialogue with your producer. You want to be able to uh, work alongside your writer in order to shape something. Ideally. Hmm. Um, but the uh, the funny thing is, it's just, oh, this seems very familiar, but there's just a different name to it, you know. Yeah. And there's a whole lot more paper involved in television than there was in any other format I've ever worked <laughs> in. The tsunami of paper I was warned about was actually very true. <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot of communication going on because it's, it's you're part of a company and uh, there's a lot of responsibilities as a director and you want to be able to uh, help shepherd a show through and that requires, uh, you know, paying attention and understanding what paper is more important than the other.
0: <laughs> well, and and so, what kind of schedule do you have? Like, when you get a script, how much time is there in between when you get that script and you're rolling?
1: Well, that depends. Uh, and and television can be anywhere from, in uh, you know, the worst case scenario, a couple of days to uh, ten days. Uh, television movie, two weeks, four weeks prep. It Really, it just depends on the show and how they're uh, how how they're working. So. Um, you know, American television, it's great to have 10 days prep. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends. You're working on Boardwalk Empire, which I have not had the opportunity to work on. And some, I've read that there's 16, 17, 18 day shoots. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot more prep involved with that than there is going to be in doing a half hour kids show.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and no less important. It's just, it's just, you're, you're part of a different company. You're part of a different, uh, project. Mm-hmm. They're creating a different product at the end. And, that's just how uh, you, know, you have to be flexible. Again, that flexibility thing, understanding how different people
0: operate. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of people don't realize with with directors in television that you're... Say, for instance, if there's 20 episodes, you might only direct two or three of those episodes. Right. And you don't have the luxury of being able to watch the, the previous ones on DVD.
1: Not necessarily. Like for Beauty and the Beast, I'd only had the opportunity to watch the pilot. Mm-hmm. And stepping backwards a little bit, too, part of your preparing to be involved with a television show is doing what you're saying is is being able to look back on previous episodes. I like to go in and get every single script that's been written for the show up until the point of your script. Mm -hmm. So you have a complete understanding where the show has been, where where it potentially could be going, and uh, before you inherit yours. And so you have a complete knowledge of the characters, so what are the main plot lines, how the show is evolving, and how you will possibly fit into that. So I like to arm myself with as much information as possible, even before I start prep. Mm-hmm. So it's researching the show. If you're, you're jumping into season six of something, I like to watch every show up until season six so that you are, yeah, yeah absolutely. There's a lot of television <laughs> watching. And I'm, I'm a type of person who uh, watches my TV in giant chunks. Yeah, So I'll watch an entire season over a day or two so I can be as familiar with it as possible. Because sometimes you don't have the chance to watch uh, every episode, but you, it's, it's, I think it's, it's part of the, uh, Being prepared is is understanding what you're walking into and and the different personalities that uh, you're also going to encounter with when it comes to talent, Mm -hmm. seeing how they work, uh, just from what they're showing in their episode. But then it's also doing a little bit of uh, research if you have the opportunity to network with other directors who are working on the show, Mm -hmm. who have previously worked on the show. It's nice to be able to reach out to them, producers as well, and uh, get a little bit of uh, of an understanding of the culture about what you're you're about to walk into.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, I would imagine even things like pacing, can be totally subjective from one show to another.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you I, I'll make the comparison. I, I started uh, in television uh, working on, on an MTV project. It was a television scripted half hour. Uh, I did some kids shows as well. Previous to that, uh, Darcy's Wildlife was my first mm. episode of TV outside of this television pilot I did. And very different pace working with kids then it is, uh, you know, working with uh, seasoned performers. I mean, first of all, you've got a schedule that uh, is dictated by the fact that these are junior, you know, uh, people who are being employed, mm-hmm. and they've got X number of hours you can work with them, versus, you know, we can, you know, abuse the hell out of adults, but... Uh, so that, that informs how the pace is going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, essentially, you still have a page count that you've got to be responsible to. And that's also set up by how the show is, you know, whether you're shooting an eight-day episode or a seven-day episode, or you're doing a TV half-hour, it might be two days an episode or two-and-a-half days, shooting block shooting. And you just They're all different ways of putting a show together.
0: In mm-hmm. a show like Beauty and the Beast, um, what percentage of it is location versus studio?
1: That fluctuates. Uh, as the show is evolving, uh, they're starting to understand how the company best functions. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of efficiency in working in studio um but that's not necessarily the look of our show cuz mm-hmm. we want to feel New York. We want to get out. We want to get outside and uh, the writers are really pushing us, you know, to do that and help them uh, finding the locations and coming up coming up with a strategy that uh, that supports that uh, from a production standpoint. So I'd say, you know, it's a 70/30 split, mm-hmm. but it can be is is as, as, as little as 50/50. So again, it's just about the episode. I I just watched a a, a television series, uh, season 3 of the whole sh- Whole series and one of the episodes took place in the on the stage entirely, mm. and that might be seen as something that would be considered a weak episode. Possibly, it was extremely engaging. It was awesome to watch and how they pull it off. It was great. Uh, do you know?
0: Do you want to know? Actually, they call those bottle episodes. That's right. right. From other writers I've talked to, they say it's such a challenge to write mm. the bottle episode yep. that they put so much extra juice into it that you'll find it, in virtually any show, those will always be the strongest episodes. Yeah, it was, it was,
1: it was incredible. It was very successful. So uh, it, it just depends, right? Yeah. And then some shows, just by the nature of how they're written, then you're, you're, you're out in the road for, you know, five or s- six days on an eight-day schedule. It just depends. Now, those have challenges, obviously, mm-hmm. moving the unit several times a day and being able to achieve the page count you need. Um, you have to come up with a really good plan. Mm -hmm. but uh, I actually prefer shooting on location Uh, the series that I was involved with as a producer and and director I was encouraging us to be out as much as possible again it was a show that was all about being authentic and I really wanted our our characters to be out in the real world and uh, we had a great stage where we had some uh, hero uh, sets that were amazing but for the most part we tried our best to be out in the real world because that's what the show was Required.
0: Mm -hmm. And so let's 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 go right to Beauty and the Beast and and talk about the the challenges and opportunities with this particular story. Um, Now, had you watched the original Beauty and the Beast
1: with uh, Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton? Not recently, but I do remember it as a as a child was something that was playing in my household. That's for sure. Uh I remember it was a big deal. Oh, it was absolutely. Um, but no, I did not uh, refresh my uh, Beauty of the Beast by watching the previous series or, you know, picking up the original novel, which has inspired all of this. I wanted to uh, come into a cold and, uh, because I wanted to be uh, inspired by the work that Gary Fletter, and, and, and who directed the pilot mm-hmm. and Sherry and Jennifer who uh, created the series wrote. I wanted to be open to inspiration from the work that they were doing today because it's a, it's a contemporary retelling of uh, mm-hmm. something that we were familiar with from back in the Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman yeah. days, but it's its own show.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and so um, as you're approaching this week's episode, and actually it's great that, that we can actually tie this interview to, to the very episode that you directed. Right. Tell me about that particular episode. Obviously not plot. We don't, don't want to give spoilers, right. but um, I know you said that you felt this episode was pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I think uh, a, a company we all feel it's it's a strong episode because there's a lot of things that are happening in this episode that we've been building up to this point. Uh our, our two leads have uh, gained each other's trust and now it's starting to fracture. Uh we're seeing some of the uh, dark history of uh of the beast's uh his past is coming to haunt him in the present and in the form of the the company that created him is hot on his tail and he has to make some decisions. Vincent and Cat are hitting a crossroads in the relationship. They've uh, established trust with one another. Cat uh, has come to understand that Vincent there is a there's a human inside of him who does good, although he's troubled by his condition. Cat realizes that there's somebody who inside him, that's that's worth saving. And uh, at the same time, Vincent's dark history, his the, the creators of uh, the beast, are hot on his tail, and so his past is catching up to him. And to the point of putting Cat in danger, which obviously uh, inflames in, in the situation for Vincent, who is who's come to care and uh, and is determined to ensure that Cat does not harm because of who he is. Uh, at the same time, J.T., you know, Vincent's best friend, is trying to hold it all together, trying to keep these guys uh, from being discovered, and uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult with Cat's frequency of uh, visitation. And as she starts digging deeper in her own true motivation, which is Kat's mission, is to try and find out what's happened to her mother and find out the true story behind that. And as she starts to dig deeper and deeper, she realizes it's it's tied to Vincent and the Beast. So this episode is, uh, yes, there is, of course, there's the the crime that we're going to be solving this week, but the, there's a relationship that's starting to really change and morph in this episode in a way that I think is going to be very interesting. And has some serious stakes and uh, the outcome of it i think is going to be uh it's it's pretty gruesome it's actually kind of ideal that it's coming out at this time of the year is uh <laughs> vincent does stuff that uh will will shock cats uh-huh. and and again beg her to question what is she doing moving forward how is the relationship going to be affected
0: very cool very cool and uh, and so as a director how much are you involved in the mythology like it, do you have an idea of what's coming so that you can tease, or is that completely unknown to you?
1: These are questions we ask in a tone meeting when we sit with the uh, with the writers and ask them, "Why is this set up this way? What are we thinking about here?" Because um, we're not aware of what they're thinking four episodes down the road. So these are questions that are important to ask as a director. So you uh, you as you're inheriting these things, that you res- you respect them and make sure you're getting the beat correct. Um, so yeah, we, we try to find out as much as possible, obviously by reading the past and knowing where we're going in the present, but it's it's a, a going in the future. But the present is is understanding the uh, the important beats or what's happening in a script and uh, being able to help shepherd those beats through. So identifying them and making sure that you're uh, you're asking the right questions about them so that you can uh, you can execute them properly.
0: Very very cool. Well, and, uh, and so we, we're getting close to the end of the time here. We always end with breaking in tips. And mm. in particular, um, I think uh, any, any insight that you have, if somebody wanted to be a director, obviously they, they haven't got 150 music videos behind them. Neither do I. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they don't necessarily have yeah. such a broad um, body of material that they've, they've worked on. Right. Um, what would you suggest is the best path in if somebody wants to be a director?
1: Well, uh, I think the most important thing is you've got to, you've got to show. You've got, you can't just talk about it. You've got to do it. And, uh, nowadays, I think that's become a lot easier, uh, because technology has changed and you and I are having conversations about that earlier and it's changing for the better. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's been coming for a while. And, uh, I think as a consequence, uh, you know, we can pick up, uh, small cameras and, uh, and with a tight little script and create a little company, you can actually turn around and create some product that will get the attention of somebody. I did that. Uh, it's not always the, the direction you can take. A lot of people come from various backgrounds that become directors, writers that cross the floor, technicians on the floor who have been respected for something they've been doing as a cinematographer, for example, or an editor or a production designer, given an opportunity when the right opportunity knocks, taking a chance and risk, and, and somebody who is uh, able to see that potential in them gives them that opportunity and they can deliver on it. But as a as a person who's starting out from nothing, uh, you've got to create something, you've got to go out and you've got to write something, and you've got to go out and direct it and put it together and it, and it is much more accessible nowadays than it than it was when you and I were first starting out. But still, that's what I did and uh, I think that worked for me. Yeah. Um, and I used whatever uh, means and opportunity that came, like I was saying, music videos were, were the medium I was working in, I certainly used that as an opportunity to flex my storytelling muscle Commercials, I became known as a dialogue storytelling personality. That's what I focused on. Um, certainly, I love the visual side of that as well and being able to play with uh, various tools. And, and uh, again, when opportunity knocks, using those, uh, those those opportunities for you to flex your muscles and actually be able to... Sh- you can't just talk about it. You actually got to do it. So, uh, you know, pooling whatever resources you have, whether it's through contacts or through uh, friends, being able to pull something off that you can show what you're wanting to, to do. For, for me, I made a short film that was exactly where I wanted to position myself moving forward. I said, I need to do something that was commercial, tight, great looking, well performed, great music and put it out there and see what happens. For me, it was a great big litmus test mm-hmm. and I was prepared for it to all blow up in my face. And yeah. for, I, I, I was, I was a great big test for myself. It wasn't about, you know, for everybody else. I need to show, can I do this? From uh, page to storyboards to execution to delivery, this is who I am. Put it out there and it worked. You know, people responded and uh, I will be forever grateful for that little film. And I, you know, looking forward to the next big challenge. Mm -hmm. But you've got to, uh, you can't just talk about it. You got to actually do it.
0: Great. Well, that is a great place to end up. I'm so thankful for you uh, doing this and taking the time in your studio here in Toronto. And uh, can people contact you on Twitter? Or do you have a Twitter address?
1: I I do. It's Bonspiel Music. Bonspiel Music. Yeah. So it's the name of my band. It's uh, music is a very important thing to me, but Bonspiel Music is a way to reach out. And I'm uh, I'm going to be seen tomorrow night on TV in Beauty and the Beast.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're in the episode.
1: Yeah, my everything in this, all of me on the screen. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. No, you don't do a cameo. No, (laughs) those days are over. (laughs) Yeah.
0: well, thanks so much, and, and I'm just going to wrap up over here and say um, if you like this interview, there's tons, tons more at tvwriterpodcast.com. You'll find interviews with showrunners from V, from Human Target, from uh, the new 666 Park Avenue. Matt Miller was interviewed actually in the very first podcast, um, and as well the creators of uh, Carnival and um, the creator of Eureka showrunner from warehouse 13 lots lots of great interviews I urge you to check it out tvwriterpodcast.com and also you can follow me on twitter at Jones is my handle thanks a lot for joining us thanks a lot brad all right, thanks. Been great all right you take care appreciate it hosted by grey jones the tv writer podcast is brought to you by script magazine and scriptmag.com the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web